This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is going on strike until we are transferred to the BBC. Yes, now, the transfer window madness has ended, and madness it most certainly is. If you slavishly relied on the gurning yellow tie sporting Burks on Sky Sports News, you'll have witnessed how they painted a picture of abject incompetence by Chelsea's board in their transfer business this summer, and certainly on deadline day itself. But can this really be true when we sign six players, all of whom are internationals with Champions League experience? And what of those who apparently snubbed Chelsea? Uh, there is an alternative truth to the fake news spun by the media, but ultimately none of us will know whether this has been a good transfer window for the club until trophies are won and lost at the end of the season. Right, I am Stanford Chidge, and the name of tonight's show is the Chelsea Fancast 395. That is the episode number. It's a lot. I don't want to go to Chelsea, which you need to, when I say that, you need to imagine that I'm Elvis Costello singing it. Otherwise, it doesn't work. But there you go. Right, without further ado, um, we've got um, got a stellar cast on the show tonight, as well as my, uh, my uh, comrade in arms, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Lovely to be here, Chidge, as always, on this excellent yes. show. Sorry we missed last Monday, but I was uh, technically on holiday. So, uh, in other words, Mrs Chidge forbade me from doing a show. <laughs> but uh, she has now been packed off to London, so I thought I'd sneak one in on International uh, Break Week. But there you go. Now, I've also got with us our, our great, great friend and denizen of Gate 17, and the, the gatekeeper to the CFC UK stall, he is the wonderful, lovely Mark Worrell. The key holder. <laughs> the key holder. Good evening. 
Yeah, good to hear your lovely dulcet tones, mate. Um, and I also should say, um, a, a frequent writer for ESPN, mate, shouldn't I, really? Oh, yes, coming up to my 500th article. <laughs> wow, that is going some, isn't it? The reason I mention that, of course, is because we've also got another uh, ESPN writer with us tonight. We've got the Chelsea football correspondent for ESPN, who is none other than uh, from Liam Toomey, who we've had on the show several times before, and it's great to have you back, Liam. Pleasure to be back. I don't think I'm anywhere near my 500th article for ESPN, though. You will that's be right, soon, isn't it? Soon enough, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a lot. That's a lot of letters and words, mate. I'm impressed. But there you go. Now, there's a lot of letters and words in this script tonight, and uh, it's going to be a humdinger of a show. I can absolutely guarantee it. And uh, first of all, we're going to be uh, we're going to be asking whether Chelsea were in fact snubbed by Oxlade Chamberlain, Barkley, and Laurenti. I, I really think that we should we should say instead of Laurenti. You know, because a double L in Wales is, isn't it? Because we had heel on last, last time, so I think that Lorente should also always because he played for Swansea. He should he should definitely pronounce as Lorente. Anyway, uh, did Oxlade Chamberlain, Barkley, and Lorente, as the media would have it, uh, snub Chelsea? And if not them, uh, what are we missing? In part two, uh, we look at the new signings and compare this year's squad with last year's to establish whether the club have actually done good business or not. And we ask, have the, how have the board done? And will Conte be happy or not? And can we compete on all four fronts? Uh, in part three, we're going to have a look back at a, a very comfortable win against Everton. And we're going to discuss what looks like a tough draw in the Champions League group stages. And we're going to look forward to Leicester away, or and Leicester, as we like to call it, this Saturday. Uh, in part four, I mean, we really have got some belting emails. Uh, most of them are on the transfer window, as you would expect. Uh, but there's uh, there's some really super ones from, from overseas with some tales of what it's like to follow Chelsea over land and sea. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock. <laughs> Apart from when we're not on on a Monday, but apart from that, we're on on Mondays at seven o'clock, and you can go to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where you can, of course, join in all of the other people who are there and uh, who are talking away and chatting to us and chatting to each other. It's a wonderful family on the old live chat page. Um, the other thing, of course, is if, if you see the blog that I put out in the day on a Monday uh, on ChelseaFanCast.com. Uh, which relates to the show there's actually an embedded player in that blog so you can just listen on the on the website if you want to it's all great stuff so there you go um so that is about it after this very short break uh, we'll be back to talk about being snubbed Well, uh, well, 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 I mean, you know, the, the old media had a field day, didn't they? But um, I think we'll get into it by virtue of actually talking about the facts. This is going to be a fact-checking show. Be careful how you say it, uh, rather than a hatchet job on the media, largely because uh, Marco, uh, Liam and myself all write for the media. So that would be somewhat... Can I be critical. rude? Am I the one who's allowed to be you rude then? 
I would expect nothing less from you, Jonathan. Um, I know nothing about anything. You know, I'm not. I'm not as informed as you are, chaps. You're also in the media, mate. You you get paid for working for Talk Sport. That's true. I do. Yes. You're up there. You're up there, rear end more than well. That was about having an injured prostate, wasn't it, before? That was one of the things I was advertising, wasn't it? Well, that's no, true. But I do do, Very... I have to say, yeah, it, it is me saying um, BT Sport, uh, Spurs versus Chelsea. That's me. That is me. So uh, It is you. I know. I love yeah, it. I, it, is, it, yeah. it. It tickles me pink when I hear your dulcet tones on Talk Sport, mate. It's, it's just like, it's like, it's like, um, it's almost like having a stalker in your head. I mean, I, I, I sit and talk to you for two hours on a Monday night. And then, then when I'm editing the show, I'll quite often have talk sport in. And then I've got Jonathan doing for I'm going, oh, no, he's still here. No, get out of my head. No, no. Anyway, um, enough of that. I've come for you, Chidge. I know, I know. <laughs> anyway, look. Let's let's. I want to. I want to take the the three snubbies in turn, actually, uh, and and let's have a look at them. The first one I'm going to talk about about is Oxlade Chamberlain. Now, um, you know, irrespective of whether he snubbed us or not, uh, the first question I'd like to ask Marco is, you know, is is he good enough? I mean, he's very injury prone, isn't he? So, I mean, you know, did we swerve one there? Yeah, I think so. I think what's interesting about. I don't know what they do in terms of training at Arsenal, but all their players are forever getting injured. Um, so he probably wouldn't have been injured. He probably wouldn't have got injured had he come to us. But I just don't. Just oh, why? Just, <laughs> why indeed? Let, well, why? Why were we linked with him apart from the fact that he's English? Uh, just, no but interest in. But were we? You know, and his were mum and dad really? support Chelsea, apparently. Although apparently he's also a lifelong Liverpool fan, isn't he? So you know, it's it's all a load of bullshit, isn't it? I, I just, that you know, if, if that transfer had happened, I would have been extremely disappointed. I know there were sort of a few people out there championing his credentials, but I just didn't get that one at all. Um, mm. You know. Drinkwater made a lot more sense. I know it's yeah. a different position, but that was a common sense transfer. Mm. Jonathan, what what did you think? I mean, you know, he the, the theory is is that he he turned down Chelsea because, uh, you know, he wanted to play uh, central midfield. I mean, my my own view on this is that. You know, and, and I have to say, we could almost lump Barkley into this, although we know that there's some weird stuff that's gone on there as well. But concentrating on Oxford Chamber at the moment, you know, frankly, if he if he fails to get into Arsenal's side regularly, how on earth is he going to get into Chelsea's side, uh, let alone at central well, midfield? There was a fabulous tweet going around. It said, uh, "Here's the Liverpool lineup now that Oxlade Chamberlain has signed for them, and he's not in it. He wasn't in the lineup because well, there, there isn't there isn't room for him because." Um, <laughs> Where would he play? Um, I, I actually, I'm really pleased. I'm not even. I don't get this. How would? How does anybody know that we're associated with people that we're linked? They don't reveal anything. Emanalo well, I tell and, you what. Whatever faces. Yeah. Tell Lee, me. Liam might know the answer to this, mate, because of course Liam's <laughs> well, been. I mean, one of the beauty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finish your point. Absolute, finish your point. Yeah, I'll finish my point, which is that I think he's shit. <laughs> I, didn't to, I didn't want to use an expression like that. <laughs> yeah, I think you were you're, you were much more tactful than me, Marco. But uh, no, I mean, what did you get? How many goals has he scored for Arsenal in four years? I mean, 
Hardly no. any. And he's hardly had any assists. I mean, every time we see pictures of him, he's always either falling over, missing the ball, yeah. or kicking it out of play. And I, I don't get it. I don't know why yeah. suddenly he was this great player to play for us. I mean, obviously, I think part of the theory was that Conte could have made him into something because he's good at that. But, you know, Alonso appears to be far, far better than him. And and uh, I don't know if this is true at all, or whether it was it, the media managed to make it into Chelsea snub, snubbed again, as with Lukaku. It's almost as if we're looking out for people to have a go uh, to, you know, let's have a go at Chelsea by finding uh, a reason for them not signing, not signing him. That uh, that is that is nothing to do with reality. I just found I found the whole transfer window like that. I just kept thinking, well, is this story made up? You know, shall so, shall we know, Liam, shall we Liam ask? Liam would know. Liam would yeah, know. Let, well, let's ask. Let's let's ask Liam because Liam Liam you know is very much in the thick of it with all the the, the press pack yeah. and everything. So, I think I think Jonathan's questions, if I can rephrase. Are you know what? Why do the media go? Why have they gone down this line of Chelsea being snubbed left, right, and centre? I think that's it. That's the basic tenant of it, wasn't it, J.K.? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I Liam, think um, you... yes. <laughs> well, I think there's. I, I think there's a couple of elements to this. One is that when a narrative like that presents itself um, perfectly legitimately, as it did with Lukaku, because Chelsea were. That move, that move was genuine and it was hijacked. Um, part of it becomes a kind of a self-fulfilling narrative, but there, there, there is also more than an element of truth to it in this window. Chelsea were in for Oxlade-Chamberlain. He's a player that they've been interested as a club in for several years. I remember Jose Mourinho talking in quite glowing terms about um, taking Oxlade-Chamberlain from Arsenal a, a few years ago in a press conference. Um as a club, there's been some admiration for his potential, more the player that he could be rather than the player he is. So I completely understand the sentiments, and I'm not I'm not hugely convinced by him either. But he does have he he does have great natural um, physical potential in terms of his power, his pace. He doesn't have a position. That's the problem. And once a player becomes 24, uh, they're not yeah. really a prospect anymore either. No. So you're rel- at that at that time. Whether Chelsea or Liverpool had got Oxlade-Chamberlain, they would have been taking a punt on talent, mm. on potential. Mm. Um, and Chelsea would have been hoping that Conte could have coached him into something. Now, the vision that I'm told they sold him, they were quite honest with him in their dealings with him and his agent. That They said, look, your, your first opportunity here will be uh, right wing back competing with Victor Moses for that spot. Um, which is no small offer, by the way, because even if it's not the position he wants, it's still a chance to start on the Champions of England. So, um, and it and it's a it's a role really which you'd think his physical attributes could suit quite well in the same way that Moses turned out to be a good fit for that position. He didn't he didn't want that for himself. He 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 wanted to go. I think he'd been he'd been eye, eyeing up a move to Liverpool for several months. Um, from from what I'm led to believe. I think there's there was some hangover between Liverpool and Arsenal from the Luis Suarez saga, where Arsenal didn't particularly want to deal with Liverpool to the extent that they would probably be more open to dealing with Chelsea. Um, but I think people maybe around Oxlade Chamberlain and around Liverpool um, played it quite smartly in that by soliciting the approach from Chelsea, which the, the approach was genuine, Chelsea were interested in him. Um, they were able to open the door 
for Arsenal to then be kind of pressured into negotiating with Liverpool, which was always the desired end game. So, so in, in summary, that was, I know that was quite a long way around, but Chelsea were interested in Oxlade Chamberlain more for the player that they thought he could be. He might be, yeah. Yeah. Um, he he sees a different future for himself, which is potentially as a central midfielder at Liverpool. I took a look. I, I made a quick list, actually, a couple of days ago of the number of players that Wenger played at one point or another in front of Oxlade-Chamberlain in central midfield, and it's 12 names long wow. over six, I saw that. six years. I saw that. Yeah, that was really yeah, telling. And, and, not, and they're not a list of Galacticos. Um, no, they're, so not. they're not. The lot, he, average players, a lot You can say he's been delusional. Yeah, yeah, you I can would. say he's been delusional. He'll fit, I, he'll fit in well. At, he'll fit. He'll, he'll fit in well at Liverpool if he's delusional. Of course, can I can I just move it on, Liam? To because uh, sure. I think you can actually almost bracket uh, Barkley in with this, can't you? Because you know he's another young English player who's not reached his potential, um, who who seems to have you know bottled it at the last minute and all the rest of it. Now I know there was some strange events around that, but I can you see the similarities there? Number one and number two. I think what irks a lot of Chelsea supporters is, you know, why why is the club going after players like Oxley Chamberlain and Barkley when they were selling Chaloba and Aki? You know, uh, for yeah. me that that didn't make any sense. But anyway, can you try and answer? I know I squeezed two in there, but try and answer them if you can. No, that's a that's a perfectly valid question, and I think um, Chelsea maybe made a, a strategic mistake in, in in selling those players so early in the summer. I also think Conte yeah. deserves some blame because if he'd involved. Ake and Chalaba even slightly towards the end of last season, it might have been able. He, Chelsea might have been able to convince them that they had a future at the club um, beyond just sitting on the bench all the time. Bark, Barkley was another player that Chelsea were looking at to boost their homegrown count, but also as a as a sort of bet on on potential. Um, he's another player similar age to Oxlade Chamberlain. I think they're both twenty four. Um, who for some reason hasn't just hasn't quite put it all together, even though he's shown flashes. Uh, the deadline day thing was, was was strange, and we were, as it was unfolding, we were all trying to work it out. But the the story I'm getting now from well, it seems it's coming from Chelsea, but it's also coming from Barclays' side is that he he didn't get as far as the medical. Um, he did. Why did he, did he pull a hamstring to, on the way? <laughs> well, I did tweet this at the time that presumably this is a medical that doesn't involve hamstrings because he's got he's got a clear <laughs> hamstring injury that keeps him out for weeks from now. So um, Chelsea agreed a fee with Everton. I think they they agreed the framework of a deal with with Barkley and his agent, but Barkley, for whatever reason, now I don't know this for certain, but for whatever reason, decided that he wanted to reevaluate things in January and that he didn't want to be pushed into a decision now, um, particularly when he was injured. Now, the, what I take from that, and this is purely my supposition, is that he wants to go to Spurs. Mm. And for whatever reason, Tottenham weren't quite willing to offer whatever what Chelsea were willing to offer Everton in this window. But by letting his contract tick down, Barkley <laughs> eventually gets into a situation where he can pick his destination. So... Speaking to people at Chelsea, I know that they're not treating this as a rejection internally. They're not. They don't believe that Barkley turned them down. They believe he asked them for more time. Having said that, I think realistically they would they would be naive at this stage to think that they'd be his his first choice 
destination in the next window or next summer. Now, this is all slightly surreal because we're, we're talking about two players here that wouldn't get into Chelsea starting eleven. Um, they, they would have been squad players. And I think that was probably another thing that hamstrung Chelsea in, in talking no to them. Is because everyone... <laughs> Which is that everyone wants to play now, and uh, particularly yeah. guys at the age of 24 who are looking to break into the England team. Liam, what's uh, the attraction of Spurs? Why, same with Laurentiis, what's the attraction there? Well, is he a mate of uh, Deli Alley's? Is he? Does he prefer? Does he know them? What's the? What's the? Does he think he'll get playing time there? Because I, I can't see that happening either. To be honest, J.K., I don't know that. I don't know who's who, who he's friends with. Um, inside inside Spurs, but um, I'm sure they know each other fairly well from England camps. But it's probably a combination of Spurs have developed a reputation over the last few years as being very friendly when it comes to promoting and developing British talent. Um, And there's probably an aspect of it where he's looking at it and thinking it might be slightly easier to to get into that team. I disagree. I think Tottenham starting Mm. 11 is one of the strongest in in the country. And I don't think Barkley would... At this stage, probably get into any any of the top six midfields. I'm sure that, that uh, uh, maybe Pochettino couldn't stand his his slapdash approach, which is what he occasionally was providing at Everton. He would turn yeah. up one week and then not turn up the next, and he would do he could do something <laughs> phenomenal, but then he would disappear the next well, game. And, and, so, Con- and Conte is a coach that's all about the details as well. I could imagine him going absolutely crazy at Barkley on the on the training pitch for. You know, giving the ball away, some of his decision making at times. So, yeah, you know, he 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 would have been he would have been a uh, an investment from from Chelsea, but more of a gamble on what he could be again, like Oxley Chamberlain, rather than what he is. Mm. Marco, uh, that's brilliant. By the way, Liam, thank you for that. That's brilliant insight, and uh, that's exactly why we have you on the show. So there you go. I mean, you know, the, the Lorente's oh, Lorente, I, I should say, Marco is a slightly different issue. And I, and I tell you what, I'm really disappointed, uh, very disappointed with the media. I mean, I was watching Sun- Sunday Supplement, uh, amazingly enough, on Sunday, but none of these Burks. Uh, could you know to consider they get paid a lot of money and they're supposed to be professionals you know we all know we all know that chelsea do not offer contracts of more more than a year to anybody over the age of 30 and Lorente is 32 so if if he was going to be offered a two to three year deal from spurs even though he loves Conte and wants to play for him. He's gonna, he's gonna do that. I mean, anybody would. We all would. So it really, really pissed me off that that was never brought up in the media, Marco. And I mean, given that, can you understand why he did plump for Spurs? I mean, I know it's almost sacrilege to say it, but well, I, I can, can you understand yeah, why he did? Yeah, but to be honest with you, I think it's another case of um, all three of those players would have been. Well, Lorente was first choice at Swansea, wasn't he? When he yeah. went fit. Um, but those those three players, you know, they'd all be swapping um, the bench for for another bench or a squad place. You know, as for Barkley, just to throw my threepence worth in there, um, I'll just view him. He's just another Jack Wilshire, as far as I'm concerned. You know, bit gobby, thinks he's better than he is, and you know, let, let's wait and see what happens. Um, you know, I think everybody was talking of, about Wiltshire as being the, the next great young hopeful, and um, his attitude seems to have got you know the, be- the better of him. 
Um, and, uh, and the other thing in respect to the media, you know, not not so much getting pissed off with them about um, the, the, the snub factor, but they, they just seem to have conveniently forgotten on transfer deadline day that, that we actually, um, well, we ended up getting two pretty good players in, in my book, but I thought we I thought we bought three outstanding players mm. um, in That's terms wrong. of Murata, Bakayoko and um, Rudiger. You know, so I know you're going to cover this later on, but I think we're a much, much stronger team um, now than we were at the end of last season. So... Mm. Uh, just just you know, to kind of bring, bring it back into Lorente a little bit, because I think, you know, uh, it does kind of segue quite nicely into what we are going to talk about, which is the signings. But, you know, I think I think that we're, we won't, we, we don't have a problem in the fact that we, we didn't get Barkley or Oxlade-Chamberlain at all. But I think all of us would recognise that, you know, we do need uh, another backup striker, because let's yeah, if anything happens to Morata... I, I I love Batshuayi, and I think he has potential. But you know, the thought of him leading Chelsea's line for four or five games maybe gives me the willies. So I I, I think actually Clemente was a miss, and we did need somebody. And I think it's a great shame that we didn't get him for that reason. Although I can understand why he didn't plump for us, Jonathan. He'd be unleading the line, wouldn't he, Batshuayi? Uh, <laughs> well, indeed, yeah. unraveling it. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry, but you know he's good at the six-yard box. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the theory that our blue squirrel has told me the the uh, the source at the training ground that um, that uh, you you tell him what to do and coach him, and it goes in one ear in one ear and out the other. He he, he doesn't come across as being the sharpest tool in the box. Um, okay, well, but, look, maybe uh, stick, no, I, leave I, him I, in the box the then. Make it instinct. Hey, put him in the box. Absolutely. Um, see how whether he can be blunt or, or sharpened. Um, but um, uh, he would have been perfect, Lorente. That's what's annoying about the whole. Yeah. Sorry, Lorente about the whole non-deal. Um, but I'd like to know what stage it broke down again, because all we've been fed is this once again snubbed, and I wonder whether they it was. Well, fed should we ask him. Liam? Um, yeah, um, can I just finish this bit? Can I say, yeah, was it yeah, fed yeah. to him that, that, that uh, sorry, mate, you only get a year, but we'll give you X amount? Because knowing Spurs' lack of desire to pay any fee whatsoever, I think what's, what's their, their cap? It's something ludicrous, 60 million, or six, sorry, 60,000 a week or something. Um, uh, how, has he, how has he accepted that? I'm sure Chelsea would have offered him more than that. Um, but I'm sure you're right that it was this, it was the... Uh, the, the the length of the deal which made it different but did they just get out of it Chelsea much earlier on because I didn't seem to see any struggle going on it was just kind of inevitable that he was going to Spurs in the last couple of days so so what is that the case Liam did it happen like that do you know well it's uh it's not it's not quite as clear with Llorente actually the, the unlike the Oxley Chamberlain and Barclay situations this one hasn't quite um played out in terms of knowing what happened in the final days. But I, I suspect, like you guys, that, that, that Chelsea's policy when it comes to older players um, contractually made a difference because everything else really was in Chelsea's favour. They'd been talking to Llorente for six months. They tried to get him in January. Conte really wanted him in January. And, uh, and then once they'd signed Morata this summer, it actually 
provided another incentive to get Llorente because uh, from what I'm told, those two guys got on particularly well at Juventus. Um, and that would have, the, I think the thinking was that that would help Morata settle off the pitch as well as on it as well because Llorente... He also played 4-4-2, couldn't he, actually? Yeah, exactly. And 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 the the appeal of Llorente, I think, is that he's a different style of player, not just from Batshuayi, but also from Morata in that he's an orthodox back-to-goal Hold it up, number nine. Yeah. You know, and either of those two could have played around him. But I think what happened uh, in the last couple of days was Tottenham. Tottenham moved very quickly. That much is clear. Um, there were only really noises about them mo- making a bid for Urente the day before, and it was all wrapped up very quickly. So I think what they did was they they offered him the years that he was looking for, and uh, once once it became clear from Swansea's point of view that they could get Bonnie. I think their their situation changed as well, and they were a lot more willing to to let Llorente go on deadline day. And it's hard to know whether Chelsea just didn't react quickly enough, or they just took a look at it and decided that with the with the figures that Spurs had presented and the years that they'd offered, it wasn't worth matching them. I do think there was certainly uh, I don't think I'll ever get confirmation of this because my you know my connections were at Chelsea rather than Spurs, but I do think there was certainly an element on Daniel Levy's front of uh, trying to tr- trying to redo the Willian situation in reverse. Um, I, d- I do think there were probably some some champagne glasses clinked <laughs> once Urente well, signed. I, I, I hope it falls flat because Willian is twenty times the player that Llorente is, and that just shows you how stupid <laughs> Spurs are. But there you go. That's just me, I suppose. Listen, guys, we're going to have to move it on to part two. But I think again, thank you, uh, Liam. That's great insight. Now, after the break. Uh, we're going to be looking at the new signings because, you know what, amazingly, we signed some players. Who knew? Uh, and anyway, we're going to compare this year's squad with last year's squad so that we can actually hopefully establish whether the club have done uh, some good business or not. And uh, we're also going to ask, uh, have the board done OK? I mean, because it really was like asking them to be sacked on social media last week. And of course, will uh, Antonio Conte be happy or not? And uh, will, more, more importantly, will we be able to actually compete uh, on all four fronts? We'll see you in a second. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Okay, welcome back. I'm Sam Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast, and I've got some stellar people with me tonight. I don't mean stellar as in the fact that they're drinking stellar, although Marco may have a beer maretta on the go. I don't know. Do you have a beer maretta you got on the go, Marco? No, no. I'm not, not drinking even... today. No, no, not even a Prosecco and Limoncello Livener. Oh, mate, that is a drink. <laughs> it looks it, yeah, mate. Yeah, it looks Saturday it. night. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Oh, well, I, I look forward to having one with you the next time I visit the legendary Cheam uh, Sports uh, Bar place where you frequent of a weekend, which is a great place. Uh, we've also got with us uh, the lovely Jonathan Kidd. Yo. Yo. Uh, he's very street. Uh, and we've also got the fantastic, insightful uh, ESPN Chelsea football correspondent that is Liam Toomey. Hello. 
There you go. Right, now, uh, we had a good chat about uh, the, the players who apparently snubbed us, and I hope we, we've answered most people's thoughts and questions on that. Uh, so now it's time to look at a few of the new signings that we made. Uh, and just to recap, for those of you uh, who might have forgotten, we've signed Caballero on a free. Uh, we've signed Rudiger, Bakayoko, Morata, uh, Drinkwater, and Zappa Costa, which came in uh, on the deadline day. And the point that I made in the in the introduction is that you know people were a bit kind of pissy about them for God God knows why. I mean, Morata's our our record signing for a start, and he's made a bloody good start to the season as well with two goals in three games and two assists. Um, but they've all got Champions League experience, and bearing in mind what we're going to cover later about the fact that we've got to compete on all fronts, that's pretty good to me. Uh, and they're all international players, so it's not like we've signed a load of lemons. Um, but uh, I'll start with you, Marco. I mean, I mean, because you, you mentioned this in, in part one. I mean, I think you're quite happy with them, aren't you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, you know, Morata, two goals, two assists. He hasn't played a full ninety minutes yet. Mm. Um, mm. I'll tell you, I know this This might sound ludicrous, but I always use um, being a fantasy football aficionado. The, the fantasy Premier League stats never tend to lie about um, how a player's actually performing, um, either at any given point in time or uh, towards the end of the season. And, and uh, right up there is Mr. Morata. So, um, <laughs> you know... I think I think in the fullness of time, Lukaku. Well, maybe we did the right thing and got Morata instead. I don't know. You know what? So, sorry to butt in, but it's kind of it's, it's big. Go on, mate. Sorry. Go on. No, no. I, at the time, I thought it was shocking that uh, we hadn't got Lukaku back, but now we've got Morata. I can kind of see him being a more complete footballer um, than Lukaku, who still has that flat-track bully element to him. Um, but we'll see. Um, mm. The other two guys, I, I think, are great as well. So, let's see. Yeah, I mean, you know, I read a, I read a really interesting thing today about uh, um, the difference between Lukaku and Morata, and that is that, you know, Morata suits the way that Chelsea like to play. Um, you know, he he draws. Uh, you know, the, obviously the usual, the big hulking centre half, and it kind of allows a lot of space for William and Pedro or Hazard to attack. Whereas Lukaku basically pulls the defence. Uh, you know, he goes forward basically, and he basically creates space in the in the midfield. It's all I don't know. It's all kind of way too technical for me, but it seemed to make a lot of sense. In other words, if they'd have signed Lukaku, they'd have had to completely change how they play and set up. So uh, Morata suits the way that Conte wants to play a lot more. Um, Jonathan, I mean, you know, just looking at the six as a whole, but I, I think in particular Zappa Costa and uh, and Drinkwater. I mean, Drinkwater got you know was getting a lot of stick about signing him, but you know he's a backup player, you know, and I think he's a good backup. But also, he's, um, I, I, I like the look of this Zappa Costa chap. Yeah, yeah, but uh, Zappa Costa, uh, according to Gabriel Marcotti, what he called the blue collar man. He said he's unbelievably consistent um, mm. and he's an absolutely typical Conte player um, mm. because he will he will run his socks off and he's a model professional and absolutely committed so um, uh, there'll, there'll be some competition won't there depending on who he, mm. who he sticks in I'd be intrigued to see how the 
the uh, the teams pan out as to who gets selected. You know, there's the possibility that uh, that Cahill may may be um, may exactly. not make it to the uh, yeah with Rudiger mm. in position because Rudiger's clearly a class act, isn't he? Um, isn't he as just, you'd expect. Yeah. As you'd yeah. expect. German international, um, for God's sake. German international and uh, you know playing for Roma um, uh, and. Um, uh, well, the drink water, of course, is is, is play, was playing with Kante all the time. So, mm. um, I, I, I think also they wanted a box to box player. They wanted somebody with a great deal of of um, stamina and uh, athletic ability. And Drinkwater's got that. You know, I never watched Leicester when they won the title and thought, "Ooh, he's a poor player." I was dismayed that uh, um, and jealous at the time that that they were all these. That supposedly not excellent players were doing well. When you analyse it, he and Kante were the heartbeat of the Leicester side. Yeah, it worked. They worked really well together, and he's got a terrific, terrific pass, Drinkwater. I think he'll be a, a fantastic addition. But as mm. you say, I'm. I, I think the the combine all all the players they signed are a top banana. We've yet to see Bakayoko as to how he actually plays because he he's only been fifty uh, percent fit, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, oh, well, I, I think he, 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 he looks he, a good he, player. He's apparently so much more superior to Matic. And you can understand, yeah. I think the one dilemma we've talked about is why Matic went to United. But uh, you can see why well, he got rid yeah. of him. And also because of the fee, the enormous fee. I suppose they offered the enormous fee, didn't they, United? He probably wouldn't have gone anywhere else in Europe for anywhere near £40 million. So, yeah. That's a really interesting point, mate, about Matic. And I, I, I never once, throughout the entire you know, swathe of media bollocks basically saying ah, ha, ha, Chelsea have been mugged off you've lost one of your best players Man United are going to win I mean we've all seen Matic play for the last three years you know and, and frankly uh, you know he's the wrong age you know he's getting on a bit and we've made good money from him and I think we've brought him better actually on that point and I'll bring Liam in on this but I kind of I, I, I hesitate to say this chaps but I actually sat down and used my brain so apologies for the following um, but I, I looked at last season's squad because I think I think the other theme that's been coming through, and I mean, you know, to be fair, a lot of you know, a lot of us, some of the sensible people on social media have been saying, well, they are good signings, but have we really strengthened the depth of the squad? Which I think is a valid point. So I kind of thought about that. So last season, you know, he basically pretty much picked every game: Courtois, Aspie, Louise, Cahill, Moses, Kante, Fabregas. Alonso Hazard. I mean, obviously Matic was in there for Fabregas, but anyway, Alonso Hazard, William plus Pedro. Uh, plus, sorry, plus Pedro, Batshuayi, Kennedy, Matic. I did put Matic in there. Zuma, Terry, Aki, Chaleba, Aina, Loftus-Cheek, Masonda and Solanke. Now, at the moment, uh, it seems to me that we've replaced Matic with Drinkwater. I'd say that's probably an upgrade. Zuma with Christensen. I'd say that's probably an upgrade. You could argue that Rudiger's come in to replace Terry. Now, OK, Terry is a legend and irreplaceable, but Rudiger's young and he's got his career ahead of him and he looks bloody good to me. Uh, Zappa Costa's replaced Ake, a far more experienced and an international player. Can't argue with that. And uh, and Chaloba has been replaced by Bakayoko again, another player who's young and and looks looks a real prospect. So, you know, I would say Liam, um, yeah, okay. Given that we we're probably two or three players short of the real backup players, but actually, I think that that we've upgraded the squad and it's stronger than last year. It's an interesting one. Um, I'm inclined to say that in the aggregate, they've probably gained, but I think the the gains have been reasonably marginal. Um, I think 
Christensen, Christensen is considerably better than Zuma, and that will play out over the course of the season. I, I like Zuma. I think he's got a lot of potential, but Christensen is a far more polished player right now. Rudiger yep. is much better than a 36-year-old Terry. Um, yep. Zappa Costa, I'm intrigued to see because he he he, see, he does seem like the classic Conte player. He's an, also an excellent crosser. I've heard, kind of kind of like a right wing Alonso potentially, um, although not quite as highly rated. So we'll see what comes from him. Bakayoko, we saw him in the Champions League last year. Um, drink water is solid, but I, I wouldn't necessarily say he's better than. He's he's better than Matic, uh, not the Matic we've seen at Manchester United so far this season. Although, you know, we hadn't seen that Matic for the last two oh. years of his Chelsea career. He exactly. was he was the best defensive midfielder in in the league for the first eighteen months of his Chelsea career, but he never got near that level after that. Um, the main just, just thing wait, I think just wait, just wait, just hang on a minute, Lynn. Just wait till Mourinho subs him off after twenty minutes. He won't be any good after that. <laughs> <laughs> the main thing I think they've lost, and it was kind of it was inevitable anyway, the way this summer was lining up, is that Morata has started really well, and I think in the long term he can become a, a really a really big star for Chelsea. But whether they've got Morata or Lukaku, neither of those players are as good as a fully engaged Costa was last season. Mm. He was the, for the first half of last season he was the best player in the league um, by by a distance. I thought uh, he won quite a few games on his own, so. It's it's difficult to replace that level of production. I think in the in the long term they've gotten they've gotten younger in key positions and they've signed some some talented players. Um, where they where they haven't quite addressed is as much as is in terms of the numbers Conte wanted. They're still operating with a fairly tight group, um, and that could that could be a positive in certain ways because it will encourage Conte to trust more than twelve players, but. Um, it's still not quite as many as, as he would have liked. And at, at this stage, it's his relationship with the board and his kind of frame of mind, I think, that is the big issue. Mm. Well, before before we get on to that, because I do want to get on to that, I'm just going to, Marco, turn to you. I mean, I, I think that's really interesting what, what Liam's <coughs> said there. It's a bit more reason than, than my emotional response. Um, given that, what are we missing then? Um, I don't know. I, I think... Uh... I think Liam's right in, in uh, what Costa, I mean, Costa brings a lot of problems with him to Chelsea, but he's kind of got that gung-ho ability to pull a goal out of the box, you know, get in the box and be a real pugnacious striker and put the ball in the back of the net um, when the rest of the team don't look like doing anything. Whereas Morata... Um, is is um, more more intricate and more involved and perhaps wouldn't wouldn't be able to do that on his own. Um, I mean that's not to say it's a bad thing. I, I think all these things will probably even themselves out because it's almost impossible to get a full season out of Costa either without injury or histrionics or a mix of both. And I, I think you know with Morata, um, you you'll get a full season out of him. And I think I think the interesting thing with him is he's actually he's actually bigger and more physical than than you, you kind of think. Bit bit similar to Alonso actually. I always think Alonso would make a great striker. I love it when he wanders into the middle of the penalty area and scores. Yeah, well, he rises like a salmon, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. He does. Uh, 
That always reminds yeah. me of that pro. That, that always reminds me of that show we did with Cundy years and years ago, and he he, he talked about one of his only goals at Chelsea, and uh, and and he said I I, ro- I rose to the ball like a like a salmon leaping out of the water. I said what like a tinner salmon, and he he did love. Yeah, I mean just 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 to you know I just think it's that that explosiveness. Um, that you get with Costa, that you got with Drogba, you know, it's a player that can change a game. And I'm not, I'm not 100 percent convinced that um, we've got a single player. Hazard maybe, but um, he's a bit of a wayward son, isn't he? Even although hopefully he'll be back to tear the Arsenal defence to shreds in a couple of weeks, good and proper. Um, yeah, so you know, I think if you look at you, you look at the other teams that are there or thereabouts, you know, Harry Kane, Lukaku, um, you know, City, City have got a, a lot of talent up front um, that, that can, you know, get, a, really transform a game. I just don't know if we've got a transformational player within that team as, as it stands, but, well, you know, the sum of the parts could um, could even that out. I'm not worried about it. Well, I mean, to be honest, Mark, I, I think that's a. Re- I think both of you make very valid points there. But I mean, Jonathan, I, I I would say that Hazard's a the transformational player. He's the he's the key player, the match winner. But I, I agree with the boys to an extent that you know what you get with Costa, you're going to get 20 goals a season plus. And if you're going to win titles, you need a player who's going to do that. Although. Again, in mitigation, I would say that, you know, we've got goals throughout the side, which may, you know, may balance that out. I don't know. I mean, how do you feel about all of that? Well, I thought it was interesting uh, watching the team against Everton the other day, which we're going to get on to, how um, William was given much more of a, yeah. um, uh, of the onus. And he he, he, he stepped up, you know, he, he, mm. he's, uh, um, it makes you realise that we, we have got some terrific players, as you would expect for a team that's just mm. won that. The, the championship the year before, but um, yeah, he's. It, it, I mean, I, I echo that completely. Yeah, that um, a, a, a non a, a non an on side um, Costa is just a superb player, but there is so much baggage involved, and uh, there, there are these rumours at the moment that yes, he's going to get back in and he'll be integrated. I just you know, no, it's flying happening. pigs, flying pigs time yeah, completely. Absolutely, he's, he's he, not. He doesn't in his league squad though. It, it, I don't think he's in it though, is he? He's not. Oh, he's been, no, no, he's, he's not. not. No, he's not been included. Um, but he won't. You know, they're not going to countenance it. He he doesn't want to work. It, it doesn't fit in with with Conte's view of how the team should um, should be set up. He wants absolutely committed people. Um, yeah, I think I think Hazard's actually got a lot to prove because uh, um, I thought the team played very well the other day. Um, but but I, I think for the, all for the best because the more you put the best players in, he's got the to work out all the permutations. I think I think they're in a good state. I, I'm 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 very pleased mm. with them. particularly knowing that we've got the possibility of um, of Louise playing in midfield. We seem to forget that who who yeah. was wonderful in the Spurs game. Um, he's got some players who can play out of position, which is uh, which is rare because in many instances mm. people just don't perform. You just have to look at the he, England. He, he side does like team. that. He, 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 you know, but I think it's the commitment. Yeah. It's the commitment that he gets from the from them in training. He does train them to to buggery. He really does mm. push them and uh, and gets them all playing certain roles. He's very good at that. Mm. And I'll repeat my story about Moses, who he 
he really coached into being a wing back. Spent hours and hours with him. And Moses mm-hmm. was the the type of, uh, of player who, who received it and and provided. Um, whereas uh, at the moment, Batshuayi is not the the man who's doing that. I mean, mm-hmm. I, w- I wish Batshuayi well because. Uh, um, and also, I think it's one of the reasons why probably the club isn't madly keen on. I think the Lorente thing. They just thought, well, let's let, we'll make do because they spent how much did they spend? Thirty-four million. Thirty-five million. You know, yeah. thirty-five million. They're, they they must see the potential. They just is he doesn't seem to be able to deliver it other than in the penalty area. So uh, mm. you know, let's hope. But no, I, I'm I'm Costa is a is an enormous loss, and for me, Morata just needs to get used to being completely bullied by by idiot center halves but if he get but his running is great and his clearly his heading ability is terrific he's a, he scored again for spain didn't he during the week you know great good luck mm. did you see the goal what? it was an anticipatory goal fantastic great goal, he it, just yeah. ran so quick he was so quick you thought wait well, he's what, anticipating one, it's great one thing about yeah. Morata, which I, I just to just to bring this in because you know i talked to kerry dixon in the kerry dixon show we do every week about Morata and you know you, you you it's beholden upon all of us to respect Kerry's view because he knows what it's like to play up in the number nine role and you know he he is to be convinced about Morata he really is because you know and he was you know kind of like what Marco was saying you know saying that we really do need a player who can bang in 20 goals plus a season but anyway let's move this on because I want to go back to Liam and uh, really critique uh, a how the board have done because they they've come in for some hefty and I mean I'm I'm no you know I, I'm not here to to go on a rallying call or cry for the board but I think a lot of the criticism has been slightly unfair um, but maybe Liam has a different view and and then after that Liam I think we can kind of segue in you know how how happy will Conte be although given the fact that this is a man who's a perfectionist you know would he ever be happy but I'd, I'd be really interested to hear what you have to say about both of those issues Liam. Sure. So, yeah, the first one on the board. Um, I think any time you're looking, you're going into deadline day trying to get three deals done, there have been some mistakes made somewhere along the line. Um, I, I think the the main error that the Chelsea board made this summer was uh, a strategic miscalculation where they knew they knew which players that Conte didn't particularly rate and was happy to to let leave either on loan or or to sell. Um, but they, I think they assumed that there would be value for squad players later in the window. Um, when, and, and, and to a certain extent, they're not to blame for that because no one could have foreseen what happened with the Neymar deal and all the trickle down. You know, it, it, it basically screwed up the entire market. Um, and suddenly you have average players or fairly you know, solid Premier League players costing 40, 50 million. Um, so I, th- I think in that in that sense that they're not entirely to blame, but not giving Conte the the squad numbers that he needed from the start of preseason, I think, was a mistake. Letting letting him go into the season with basically fourteen, fifteen senior players. the the main The main players that they've signed, as as we've gone through, are good. You know, you you have a setback with Lukaku, and I don't know. How much of that was there for how much um, Mino Raiola's relationship with Manchester United meant that that was that was always going to happen? Um, but you but then but then you quickly go and get your second choice in Morata, who is who is not a demonstrably worse player. So and then and you get your first choice central midfielder in Timo Bakayoko. That's a fairly 
successful window in terms of your headline targets. It, it's a weird one because it's more around the edges that I think Chelsea, the Chelsea board deserves criticism and, and questions because I think they left it too late to get the squad players and, and they did eventually get some decent deals done but there were other ones that they ran out of time on there were, there were ones that you know they ended up maybe looking a little bit silly on when they if, if they'd have moved earlier they would have been in a better position to know more um, I think on the whole they did reasonably well in a very difficult market for everyone but there, there is definitely some criticism merited in terms of more the timing of signings rather than who they signed. Mm. Well, they were relying what, what about, on getting what, Sandro. Because, well, they were relying on getting Sandro, and that just didn't happen, did it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there are always going to be players, like with Alexandro, like with Virgil van Dijk, who just aren't for sale. And, you know, Conte can, 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 can push for these guys as much as he wants, but if they're not for sale, they're not for sale. Um, mm. And I, I don't think Conte will be hugely happy with the way this window has gone. I think he'll, he'll be partic- he'll probably be particularly annoyed about Llorente, um because it's not a huge outlay. It's just more of a, it's, it's more of a strategic disagreement with the club in terms of the way that they regard older players. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Conte on the whole places a higher value on players between 29 and 32 than, than Chelsea do because Chelsea are looking at resale value and, and, and all these other things. So, um, I think that, I think he won't be happy in part because, as you said, Chish, he's a he's a perfectionist. He's never entirely happy, but he'll also he, he'll also do the best with what he has. And we've already seen that Conte is an exceptional coach who who can do a lot. He can do a lot with a little, and he's not working with a little at Chelsea. He's got some excellent players. So I think that we've seen we, we've seen stories come out of Chelsea in the last week or so that they feel that he's now got the squad to compete on multiple fronts I think some of that is PR but some of it is look we've had a summer of speculation of you pushing us behind the scenes we've got some names over the line for you, for you and now it's time for you to do your job how the, the key question is the long term you know how mm. he, he signed that new contract which was upgraded rather than extension and I think, uh, you know, that that's quite telling. And I don't think this window would have done anything to convince him that this might this is a more long term relationship. That's the that's the only issue. Um, Very from, interesting from a, stuff. A business, go, on, go on, JK. Sorry, say, mate, go on. From a business model point of view, I was reading on the Internet that we've actually only spent four point five million in nine months. So. Uh, that's um, if an attempt has been made all the way through to, to not really spend any money, they, they've achieved that um, because they've sold, uh, they've got eight incoming signings. It's including Killian Hazard and Ethan Ampadu, who I don't know anything about at all. Legend, um, mate. And they legend. Put 30, <laughs> 33 of them, unless I've pronounced it completely wrongly, and it's... Um, it's actually Harry Kane. No, it's not. And Padu. Um, <laughs> and there are. It says that the players they've let go thirty-three players on loan, and um, uh, the players that have left the football club. There are seventeen on that list. So there are eight incomings and fifty outgoings. And it says according to stat aggregating site Transfer Market, Chelsea have spent one hundred and eighty-three million this window and received one hundred and eleven million in incoming fees 
net spend 72 million, taking into account January's outgoings, Oscar 54 million and Patrick Bamford 6 million. There were uh, uh, taking that into account, there were no incomings. The club's net spend from January to September comes down to just 12 million. And with the tribunal still to decide a fee for Dominic Solanke, the spend is set to fall further. Chelsea want around 10 million. Liverpool believe the player to be worth half that. You split the difference. Chelsea have spent just 4.5 million in nine months. So perhaps there's an agenda there that we're, we're not even considering. Well, there is. There is. I mean, you know, and I, there was a fantastic article about this written by Marco's mate, Chris, um, you know, basically saying that, you know, whether Roman's spending the money to build the stadium or not, uh, we will have to get investors in, which means that uh, our balance sheet has to look, you know, pretty rosy. So there's been a, a cloth cutting exercise been going on at the club considerably. But I'm going to ask Marco two questions. I mean, the first is that, you know, how much should, do we care about that? It's not our money. I mean, you know, shouldn't we just, you know, want want the, the best players we can get so we can win as much as we can? Or, or, or do we do we really respect the board for being a bit more prudent? It's an interesting question, Marco, isn't it? I don't know. It's, it's, it's bizarre, actually, that, you know, because those stats are available and obviously they're, they're you know, um, Jonathan's um, highlighted the exact um, P&L that, you know, is, is, it, is it a big issue? Um, I, I don't know. Is there some kind of um, pulling, tightening of the purse strings? I don't think so. Um you know, there's kind of that suspicion. Um, you know, are they trying to save money because they've got to stump up half a billion quid for, for the, the new stadium? Um, I don't know. Financial fair play? Not really. Uh, it just seems it seems a bit odd. I, I just think it is the way it is. The, the, the mm. more I think about it, it's just, you know, We've done well because we sold Oscar for sixty million. Um, you know, we got forty million for Matic. Uh, you know, what we've done particularly well at is uh, realizing. Um, you know, to be honest, you look at a lot of those outgoing transfers and think, "Wow, that, that was a good deal for Chelsea, wasn't it?" Um, which historically hasn't always been the case. Um, you know, and and maybe we've just bought well, or we. We haven't bought the players that we've been linked with. You know, if we bought Sandro, um, if we bought Lukaku, uh, that that balance sheet wouldn't wouldn't be quite uh, what it is. Um, so I, I don't think there's. I think it looks good, um, but I don't think there's any uh, great desire uh, behind it. You know, let's have an even balance sheet. Maybe maybe we should give the board more credit for getting the money they get for the players mm. that we've sold. Oh, there we go. There's a thing. I mean, you know, just to pick up on Liam's point, Marco, about um, about Conte, and I, you know, I, we all love him. I mean, I absolutely love this guy. I'd like to see him stay at Chelsea forever. But I think that there, there is a reality that that many of it is almost like the you know the taboo. You know, we dare not mention its name. But uh, in the modern game, managers don't stay for a long time anyway, and in particular at Chelsea, that they don't. And I think if, 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 if one is prepared to even accept that, which I'm not, um, you can also understand why the board... I mean, you know, Conte made a very... Uh, quite a barbed comment in the media when he said, I'm the coach, not the manager. And I think that therein lies yeah. the issue. It's the club now, the board, that manage 
you know, in the old traditional sense of buying the players, setting the strategy and all of that, because they know that they're going to be there longer than any bloody manager that they hire. Well, I mean, it's been like that ever since, um, you know, Roman bought the club, hasn't it? So well, it has, it's not going to change. It's, it's, it's never going to change. Um, and, and, and to be honest with you, I, I think it's the, it's the modern way of, you know, mm. even t- take Arsenal out of the equation. Um, it is the modern way, you know, this, I hate it, that, that this expression that's crept in from Europe about, you know, the, this the project, you know, it's, oh, it's a two-year project, yeah. a three-year project. Um, but that's what it is. And, you know, these guys are project managers. Um, what they are is, and what Conte proved last year, you know, He's got the the, the the tactical nous and and the the mental resilience to you know effectively win win the Premier League title uh, from you know a, a very you know difficult position. Um, he did a phenomenal job, and you know, and in doing that, he's kind of written himself into the and because you know he's a passionate guy, wears his heart on his sleeve. He kicks every ball for you know for Chelsea. Of course, the fans are you know we all love him. Of course, we do. Uh, we, you know whether whether behind that that veneer of um, of you know love love that we have for him, there's uh, a very difficult guy for for the football club to manage. You know, will, will we ever uh, hear uh, the, the full story? Well, I guess you know Costas alluded to, you know, how, how much did the club get pissed off with um, Conte over that whole, uh, you know, text episode with Costa and and, and before that, you know, the, the, the training ground bust up. Um, I mean, I, I think it's great because, you know, I, I don't think the, the, the tail should ever be wagging the dog when it comes to players, but, but maybe the manager sometimes... Um, is trying to do the same thing, and, and you know that's never going to get anywhere at Chelsea, is it? So no, it's not. Well, uh, I tell you what, you know, one of the things that irked me a bit. There's an awful lot of counter briefing going on during the summer, and you know, a bit of power play going on, which is a shame. Anyway, listen, we've got a couple of minutes really just to crack on with the the last bit, really, which is, you know, can can we compete on all four fronts with this squad, Jonathan? What do you reckon, quickly, mate? Uh, yes, I think we can. <laughs> Um, that was very but, quick. Uh, I hope there's more. Very quick. Do you want, do you want well, more? Point that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I agree with, with every point you made. <laughs> with all the words I said there, yes. Um, yeah. I, I, my, my, just just to re, 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 recap a sec. What was interesting on the Twitter was just the number of people who said um, we're not a proper team anymore because we haven't bought any big players. They said, oh, as uh, if somehow we should be in for um, somebody like Neymar, and that was how some people see us as being this competitive side, where they've sort of missed the whole idea of what Abramovich is trying to do: is make the club self-sustaining and get good players in, and uh, managed by an excellent manager. So uh, I, I was just very um, perturbed by that on the uh, on the social media. I just found it ridiculous the uh, the amount of of um, hatred from Chelsea fans themselves for what the club were doing, which they saw as um, completely negative, and we would never compete on um, on four fronts, which I think we'll, we'll manage. Whether we get particularly far in the Champions League, 
is another thing, but we're going to discuss that later on, aren't we? We are. Um, I would one point on that, Jonathan. I think the kind of people that you've been reading saying things like that on social media, they all need to go out and get laid. It's much more fun. I think the next, trust well, me. Also, they need to watch the watch the games. I think is the other thing they need to do. Well, as I well. think they do I, that. I to be they fair, they're, they're, anyway, they're, do they? Okay. Liam, Liam, dear boy, uh, can we compete on all four fronts with that squad? Um, with some with some skillful management and reasonable injury luck, yeah, I think so. I, I think it'd be difficult to get luckier with injuries than Chelsea did last season. Um, almost almost no long term absences. They've already had Hazard Hazard out for the start of the season, so you'd be hoping that he he can play from now on. Um, but I, I think the league and the Champions League that's just two, isn't it? And maybe you maybe you relegate the League Cup and the FA Cup down your priority list this this season, particularly mm. given that Chelsea's Champions League group looks quite difficult in places. Um, mm. uh, yeah, yeah, but I, I think I think they can be. I think they can be. They've got 16, 17... Well, I th- no, I think they've got 18 senior players now, um, plus a couple of a couple of youngsters, and that includes Christensen. So I think, yeah, they've got the numbers just about, as long as they don't get any serious injuries to key players, but you can pretty much say that about any team. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, what do you reckon, Marco? Can we compete? Yeah, I think the, the point that Liam makes there about the injury side of things, you know, we were lucky last season, I think. But, but you know, just getting back to that point I made at the, at the start of the, the programme, I just think, um, you know, hats off to the fitness guys. I know they tend to change with the managers and what they do at Cobham, the medical team, you know, uh, generally, as a, as a team, um, you know, compare us with the likes of Arsenal and, and Liverpool. Um, you know, we, we we just don't seem to get that glut of injuries um, that that those touch clubs wood. do. So, uh, well, yeah, t- absolutely, touch wood. But you know, I, I think if we if we stay injury free. You know, he picks his best eleven. He's got two good sides there that he can put out. I think. Yeah. I think what's interesting is that the Champions League's not easy. So the group stages of the Champions League in the past have always been a proving ground. Um, you know, for your Kurt Zoomers and um, some of the fringe players to to, to have a go in, in the same way as the early rounds of the the, the League Cup. But I, I think um, he's going to have to really think about. Um, the way he rotates his, his players, I, I, without looking at the fixture list, I don't know how the Prem fixtures fall around those ties with uh, Madrid and um, and uh, Roma. Um, so that that's going to be interesting, I, I think. Uh, but yeah, I, I think we can. I think we can give it a good shot. Why not? Yeah. Well, do. you know, it's in, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, bottom line is, I agree with all of you. Actually, I, I I'm a lot happier that we can compete on all fronts now. The transfer window's ended, and I think that we have made some good signings. And I think I think the I think the squad is stronger than it than it was last year, apart from the whole Costa issue, which we went into. But the other thing that you know, you look at the other teams in the Champions League, and we will get into this in a minute. And and there's about six very very strong teams, and I'll be disappointed if we don't get to the quarterfinal. But I have to say. 
you know, Conte is desperate to do well in the Champions League because he never really nailed that for Juventus. So I think me and Marco will be uh, taking a trip to the online bookies and putting a cheeky fiver on Chelsea doing quite well. Isn't that right, Marco? Anyway, yeah, yeah, uh, we yeah. must move on because we've been we've outstayed our welcome on this part. Uh, just a very quick plug for the Kerry Dixon show which I record each week with the legend that is Kerry Dixon. Uh, it's available on Thursday afternoons. In fact, it'll probably be available Wednesday evening this week, so make sure you download it via Acast, iTunes and SoundCloud. The man, the great man, is on fantastic form at the moment. Anyway, after the break, we're going to look back at the comfortable win against Everton. We're going to discuss what looks like a tough draw in the Champions League group stages, and we're going to be looking forward to and Leicester this Saturday. See you in a sec. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boy's life. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. Uh, this is Stamford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast, and we have done the transfer window to death. There'll be no more talk about it at all until possibly January. Um, now, on the show tonight, of course, I've got with me the lovely Jonathan Kidd. Lovely to be here, Chidge. Thank you. And uh, I've got the uh, very erudite, scholarly uh, Mr. Mark Worrell. Buonasera. And uh, last but by no means least, we've got the wonderfully insightful Liam Toomey, who is the Chelsea football correspondent for ESPN and has been talking lots of sense tonight. We've been, been very lucky to have you on the show tonight, Liam. Pleasure to be back. Thanks for having me. 
no problem at all okay now we're gonna have a quick scoot through through this i mean we, we didn't do a show last monday because i was on holiday uh so we really ought to talk about um uh chelsea's very comfortable win against everton uh and i'd like to have a quick chat about the champions league draw and of course we've got uh, leicester on on saturday so we should talk about that and i've also got a huge list of uh things to plug so i need to save a bit of time for that so just a quick scoot around it really but um first of all uh jonathan i mean you know, the game against Everton, I mean, I, I, in the show with Kerry, I, I thought it was going to be really tight. You know, both defences were pretty good and, that you know, we might struggle to score against them. They might struggle to score against us and, and nothing of the sort. It was an absolute walk in the park. They were, in fact, strolling, weren't they? But Morata, they I were. think, was the standout performance, do you think? Uh, yeah, he got he got bullied a bit, but um, he, he gets into the box so well uh, and the goal was... Uh... The headed goal was great. Um, no, I thought um, I thought William was terrific as well. I thought um, mm. uh, um, uh, I thought we were fantastic for the first thirty-five minutes, forty minutes, and should have been about four up, I think. Um, uh, and it, as, as as you said, it 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 just got a little tedious that we didn't score, and there was. But I never felt the possibility they'd get back into the game. I thought they'd score towards the end. Um, because we seem just to slightly lose concentration, so the extra goal would have really would have put them out of their misery. But uh, no, it was uh, it was a, a terrific performance, um, mm. and with and, and Hazard wasn't playing, so you just think, well, uh, you know, he, he he can stop these teams from playing, and uh, and the amount of energy created was was superb. Now, as and I agree with you, I thought Everton were going to be much better than that, but I mean, I think they were a bit knackered because they'd had the Monday game and then the. The game away, and they in the in Europa League, but uh, that still didn't stop them from being um, uh, not the team I thought they'd be. I thought that they would be uh, a very difficult side to play against, and Ro- all Rooney ended up doing was just arguing and trying to be the senior professional, and he got booked rather correctly, and uh, and ended up on his backside a lot. So um, no, it was uh, it was a terrific performance. Mm. One of the things that, uh, that that struck me, which tickled me pink, actually, was that was Everton's away kit, which has got to be one of the most horrible away kits ever. Oh. But in fact, it, what, oh. what was funny about it was it made, it made it look like they'd all pissed themselves. <laughs> it did. There was a kind of stain down their back, wasn't there? I know. It um, was really, I really mean, Arsenal, wasn't it? Arsenal had a very strange stain on their kit all the way down their front last year, which I think they've got rid of. Mm. But uh, yeah. Everton, have, yeah, yeah. I mean, who would invent a kind of a colour that looks as if it's been it's been in the washing machine and uh, with with a kind of with a pair of grey socks that the dyes yeah. come out. Of. I mean, for exactly that. It's like undercoat, doesn't it? Yeah, it's very very weird. Um, Marco uh, Rudiger had another good game, didn't he? He he's impressing slowly but surely. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think the if, if you want to sum up. Rudiger's potential in a sentence. You, you do not get to be the regular Germany centre back if you're crap. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. So, you know, I, I think you know he's he's physical, he's mobile, um, he covers the ground, he's versatile. He, he's kind of like I don't know. He, he he's 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 like an upgrade to Zuma. I know I know Liam mentioned Christensen. I like Christensen. Christensen's a very fluid footballer and he's got great vision. Um, he's kind of like Louise like with his um, that, that ball that he picked out. Uh, was it Maratta's Maratta with? Um, can't remember. 
I mean, the Burnley yeah, game. Yeah, it was, yeah. 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 You know, he, he, he's benefited from those two years in the Bundesliga. I think he's a great player, but Rudiger, you know, he, he, he's a beast. And we've got a good back line, and I think it's already been mentioned. Um, and, I, you know, if I was Gary Cahill, I, I'd be crying every night over the fact that. He, he went in foolishly on Stephen DeFore in that game against Burnley because I think Cale's always been a bit of a lucky player when it's come to Chelsea. He's had a few things go his way. You know, when, when he first signed, it was kind of like, first it was um, Louise got injured, so he got into the cup final side and then Terry got suspended and he got into that side uh, for the for the Champions League final. I'm not taking anything away from him, um, but you know he he lost his place, didn't he, to Zuma um, when when Mourinho got his feet under the table the second time around, and when Hiddy came in, he he, he was out again. And uh, I don't know. I, I I just think if if that if that backline holds up well and doesn't concede against Leicester, I think Gary might be playing against uh, Quarabag, but um, not against Arsenal. So we'll see, but yeah, no, Rudiger, um, uh, I really think he's good, good, good player. Indeed and just, just to I mean, underline that. Sorry, go on, that, mate. Chris, sorry, no, no. I'm talking about the transfer window. You know, Christensen's almost like we've got a fifty million pound sign in there because, um, mm. yeah, he, he, you know, it's, it's pure luck, but he got his chance. I think he was a bit reticent. Um, about coming back to Chelsea because he might not get the opportunities that he that he'd hoped for, but um, you know I, I think I think we look very very strong at the back and that's important and you know that's exactly what Conte wants. So uh, yeah, good. Mm. Listen very quickly, Liam. There's one 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 thing that um, that 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 just should be brought up only because we're petulant, or I am at least, is that uh, that that tackle on uh, Fabregas by Gay or whatever his name is. Um, you know, it, it seems to me that since Cahill got you know arguably correctly sent off, I mean you can understand why he did in the first game, but there've been a spate of tackles since that have been as bad, if or or, or very like Cahill's, if one's kinder that have not received the same uh, consistency. I mean, am I, am I getting steamed up about nothing here or what? I don't think, I don't think you're getting steamed up about nothing, but I, I think to, to a large extent, it's an unsolvable problem because I, Cahill could have no complaints about his red card. Um, mm. Equally, equally true is the fact that tackles that have been just as bad or, or worse have gone unpunished in the last few weeks. But I think we all get a little bit, sidetracked by talking about consistency with referees because it's a it's a different referee for for every game um and the rules leave room for interpretation so you will you will never ever get consistency even with sometimes within a match i mean maybe that's all you can really expect is consistency within a match but across games with different referees you're never really going to get it you're the you're you're at the mercy of that referee's interpretation and and his view often, um, and even if we introduced video technology, I don't, you know, it still it still comes back to the opinion of the person looking on the camera. Um, so you you are always going to there's always the potential for for you to disagree. Um, I but I did think Gay was very lucky. I think did he get booked for that tackle? 
I think he oh, got think good so, three. Yeah. He was, yeah, he was uh, he was lucky not to get a red because it was high. It was on the ankle. Um, I think it was equally as bad as as the challenge. Fabregas got his second yellow four against Burnley, which I thought could have been a red mm. on its own. Mm. <laughs> late mm. late on the ankle, just a really bad challenge. Um, mm. But as I said, I just think the consistency thing is is an unsolvable problem, and it's something we've just got to we we might just have to live with. I think. Well, I can see it running and running and running, that one. It won't be the last time you mention that this season. JK, uh, let's talk about the Champions League draw. Uh, my, my instincts when I saw it, and I did watch it live, actually, sadly, um, is that it's quite a tough group with uh, Atletico Madrid, very good side, Roma, decent side, and Carabag, a very unknown uh, prospect from uh, Baku in Azerbaijan. Yes, we need to uh, make sure we win the first game very competently, just to set a marker down. But uh, I don't think Roma are the same team uh, that they have been recently. Um, and uh, uh, I think we could get a surprise result against Atletico. That may be a tough group, but I, I see us, um, I see us uh, qualifying with ease, actually. Really? Yes, I, I like that. A I bit just, of positivity, mate. Yeah. Well, why so? Very, very why so? Well, because I, I don't think Roma are the same side that they, they were. And we've got one of their best players. We've got Rudiger. Mm. So, uh, mm. um, but no, I, 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 it, it's, um, it, it depends on, uh, you, you, one presumes that we're going to get uh, uh, the points from Carabag home and away. But so you've got to, you've got to perform. You've got to do it there today. As you say, they're, un, they're an unknown quantity. But uh, they shouldn't be good enough, and then it's just a question. I suppose if we were thinking of finishing second, is we've got to uh, dispense with Roma. But I don't think we're, we're going to lose to Atletico twice. I think we'll do pretty well at home against them. All right, away might be difficult, but um, uh, no, I you know I, once again I've got I've got great faith in the manager and his selection. So I think well, I think mm. we'll qualify. What say you, Marco? Uh, I think it's going to be tough. Um, yeah. You know, I, I I think going to um, go, going to play in Rome and going to play in Madrid in the you know the new stadium, they're, they're, they're going to be tough games and they're going to be tough games at home as well. Uh, so I think we'll qualify, um, and that's you know to be honest with you. That, that that would be job done, um, but I don't think it's going to be easy. And and yeah, the Quarabag thing—that's a complete unknown quantity, isn't it? So um, yeah, I, I think we'll be okay, but I just don't think it's going to be easy. And I think, as I said earlier, I think a lot's going to depend on um, how Conte approaches those games and and the priority he puts on the games around them and what's going on at the time. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, it is a bit of a conundrum, isn't it? Because, you know, on paper, you know, I, I still... I mean, I, I take what Jonathan says, but I still think Roma's not an easy game. And I think Atletico are a very, very good side. And I don't think they like us very much. So, so that always worries me. Um, but Liam, I mean, you know, how, how, how far do you... Th- I mean, given that, you know, really, realistically you need 10 points to qualify usually, don't you? So that's three wins, which I think we're capable of getting, and a draw. So, you know, given that, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm erring on the side of the fact that we will 
proceed to the next round. But how, how far do you think we might be able to go? Well, just just quickly on the group, I think it's the worst possible layout of a group that you can get because if you have three good teams and one team that could conceivably lose all six games, then that that means you could easily end up with three teams on double point scores. Like you said, mm, 10 points point. is usually enough to qualify, but in a group like this, if you remember when Chelsea went out in 2012-2013, I mean, that that kind of got washed away as a terrible Chelsea campaign, but they were up to up against a very good Shakhtar side and Conte's Juventus. Um, mm. And all three of those teams ended up with double figure points. Um, so in that way, it will be difficult. It, it creates a kind of pressure of its own on that Carabag at home game to kick things off because they have to win it and win it well. Goal difference might even be an issue. Um, if they can get into the knockout stage, I think they've got a good, good chance I think they will qualify and I think once they're in the knockouts that they're, they're a dangerous team for anyone because Conte has this uh I think overstated reputation for for underachieving in the Champions League one year they lost to his Juve team lost to Bayern who won the treble um and the next season they they didn't get out of the group but they I think they you know they won the league historically and got really far in the Europa League so he he has done well in Europe and he and we've all seen how good he is at setting up for one-off matches and for tactically reacting to opponents so I, th- I think those are all skills that are very transferable and, and can be very successful in Europe I, I mean, don't think they'll win mate. it because sorry go sorry go on sorry 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 go on <laughs> I was just gonna say I don't think they'll win it because at the moment unless unless something happens to Real Madrid they look several leagues yeah. above everyone else um, Don't they just? But, yeah. And I but think they, there are other Chelsea, teams too, you know. Yeah, but Chelsea can certainly use this season to to re-establish themselves on on the Champions League stage, and I think they they could well do that. Mm. I think the, the you know the, what was about when I leapt in, and I apologise for that. The, the thing I was going to say was that you know I'd be happy with quarterfinals, but the great thing about the Champions League is ultimately it's a cup competition, and you require, as we all know, we know so well, you require an awful lot of luck to proceed. Uh, you know, to the latter stages of that or the final, so anything can happen. So uh, I, I I cling on to that in in more than hope than expectation. Uh, now uh, looking forward to and Leicester on Saturday, uh, very much in expectation rather than hope. Uh, Jonathan, um, I, I think that we should expect. Uh, you know, Leicester are not not the side that they were, and we've just nicked. You know, we've got two of their best players for God's sake. So, uh, are we feeling optimistic? Yeah, they're pretty good, though. I think that Shakespeare's done a very good job since he's reverted to the style that they played under before Ranieri got there. Um, uh, As you remember, I'm not a fan of Ranieri. Um, uh, So, uh, and um, uh, who is it it we were associated? Vardy is terrific if played as man who runs after the ball very quickly, um, which is... (laughs) He's a bit like a terrier, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you need to give him the ball. You need to boot the ball over somebody's head for him to run after it. It needs to be that, you know. Um, but no, he's a he's a he's very sharp, very sharp player. So I think it it'll be difficult. I think it's a difficult game. I think uh, be interesting to see whether um, uh, where Eden plays when he comes back in, if if he comes back in, or if he brings him on as a sub. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I think we see also if he plays Drinkwater. Once again, he may not play him. I think his his. Is he's consistent at um, not playing people that haven't played before Conte mm. um, in the way that he similarly didn't play Morata at the beginning of the season. Um, mm. He likes them to 
to work within the system. So their drink water may not be uh, may not be familiar with the system, so he may not play. It's, good. Um, it's a good point. Yeah, it's a good point that. Um, Marco, but, um, do you, do you think no, he might? Well, yeah. Sorry, go on, Jonathan. Didn't realize you hadn't finished. Go no, on. no, carry on, carry on, carry on. Carry on. Well, I'm carry just going to kind of pick up on uh, on on that point, really. I mean, about whether whether you know he 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 might pick some of the new boys, Marco. I mean, I I doubt it somehow, because I agree with Jonathan. I think he, you know, he he kind of brings people on gradually. He, I just I don't see him yeah. doing it, but you never know. Exactly. We've got Zappa Costa, you know, could come in for Moses, perhaps. No, I think he'll use the Quarabag game, which comes um, a few days later. Is it on the Tuesday? Yeah, it's uh, uh, Tuesday. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think see Drinkwater and Zappa Costa um, playing that game. Uh, I think where it gets interesting at Leicester is um, the, the, the Bakayoko Fabregas um, scenario. Because um, I think. I don't know. I think that that Leicester game's again made for um, Fabregas. So mm. uh, I, I I don't really see any changes. Um, Cahill's still banned, isn't he? So yeah. Uh, I think I think the interesting one potentially, and you know the the the, the bigger picture is um, the William Hazard thing because. Hazard kept Willian out the side last season, but arguably Willian's been our most creative uh, uh, player so far this season. Yeah, been terrific. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I think I think if anybody's going to give, well, I, you know, you've got. It's a very good point. It's a very very good point, but uh, the, the, it all does hold, doesn't it, Liam? On on whether Hazard's going to come back in against Leicester or whether he's going to hold off until till Arsenal. I mean. Hazard played uh, most of the game against Gibraltar, didn't he? And he and he came on when they were in a bit of trouble against Greece. So he's had a he's had a. I mean, having moaned like stink the other week about the awful Martinez, you know, picking him when he should have stayed home. Um, in a sense, he might have done us a favour by by giving him some minutes on the pitch. So I mean, do, do you think he'll come in? And and I think actually, if he does come in, it'll be Pedro that will go, not William. I think William's earned the right to stick around, actually, Liam. But anyway, what do you think? Well, I'd, I'd be surprised if Hazard starts um, against Leicester. I think he, he got on aggregate about about 90 minutes of action for Belgium over the international break, which is which was positive, and it was it was done in in conjunction with Conte as well, um, with a view to sort of speeding his recovery along a little bit. But he still hasn't had pre-season, so I think Conte in general, when he's given a choice, is errs on the side of caution with these guys. So I think he'll have he'll he'll probably have Hazard on the bench um as that option to try and change the game if it's not going Chelsea's way. And that in in a lot of ways postpones the the William Pedro decision that you're talking about. I mm. I think he will I agree with Marco. I think he'll he'll stick broadly with the team that did well against Everton. I w- I'd be very surprised if there were more than maybe one change from that game. And then it might be Carabag at home that you'll see a couple of other players. But again, like I said, Chelsea need to make sure they win that game and win it well. So yeah. it it will be interesting to see what to see what Conte does. But he, he's already said he'll have to rotate uh, over yeah, the next. He's got, got Forest. So he's got Forest, hasn't he? Coming up after that, <laughs> I, I think he'll, I think he'll put. A, I hope he'll put a strong team out for Carabag. But we shall see. Well, anyway, look, we're going to yeah. look forward to that. But uh, before we do, I've got a huge amount of. Uh, Shout outs, plugs, appeals for money, 
anything really uh, anyway but first of all very worthwhile we did plug this on the last show but the the wonderful lovely uh, Clive O'Connell we must say massive congratulations to uh, because Clive uh, rode 2,000 kilometers between 18th and, se- uh, and the 27th of August in 10 days uh, for the PACE Centre who provides specialist education and therapy to children with motor disorders uh, so he did a sterling job, and, uh, uh, and and there is still time to donate, actually, if you go to www.justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash Clive O2000KS in 10 days. But um, well done, Clive. That's a, a sterling effort, and he's a lovely guy, and uh, we should all be very proud of him because that is a hell of an effort. Um, we've also got another, uh, another he might even be in here tonight, but uh, this chap uh, quite often emails us in with some very salient points and his name is alan gaverin as jonathan will remember uh and he uh well actually but before i get into that please donate to uh him by he's, he's rootless cosmo on twitter that's what i'm struggling to say at rootless cosmo uh but he's going to be walking the capital ring i have no idea what that is but he's going to be walking it and he's going to be doing that to raise money for down to earth who are on tw- who on twitter are at qsa and they tackle funeral poverty, which sounds to me like a very worthy cause. Uh, and you need to go to uh, justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash Alan hyphen Gavuran. And that's G-A-V-U-R-I-N. So get on it, Is peeps. that the ring of the capital, though? Is that the capital in uh, um, in America? I've, no, no, he's, a, he's over here, man. So I've got, I've got no oh, idea what it is. Oh, well, goodness me. Yeah. I wonder whether he's doing, taking a trip to the States. I mean, that's Capitol, oh, well. isn't it? So, yeah. Oh, maybe, I'm maybe, maybe. Rubbish. Well, check check it out. I mean, Alan's a lovely chap, so yeah, you, should, yeah. you should get, get yeah. behind him and support him. Uh, and now this is kind of a more general thingy, Bob, uh, but it's all about making safe standing happen. Uh, so it's been organised by uh, the Football Supporters Federation's safe standing people, John Darch, lovely John Darch, who uh, have got a campaign going at the moment to install England's first safe standing area, uh, which will be at Shrewsbury Toon, uh, and a very worthwhile cause this is. And uh, basically, they've you go and donate to this safe standing campaign. But if you contribute five quid, you've got the chance to win a Chelsea shirt signed by Gianluca Viali. Goodness gracious me, because apparently he has something to do with Tifosi, who are the crowdfunding company. But if you want a chance to go and win uh, a signed Gianluca Viali um, shirt, which I think is a great idea, but also at the same time contribute to, uh, to uh, you know, getting a safe standing built at Shrewsbury Town, which, you know, we should all support because it's a great idea. Uh, I, would, I would recommend is you to do that. Is it one of his that... white shirts? Is, is it one of his No, shirts? it's a blue one, I think. Is it a football shirt? Oh, it's a football shirt, is it? All right. What do you shirt. think, Jonathan? What do you think? Do you it'll think be, it might just be a football, be a football shirt? It'll be a football shirt. In which yes. case, if, if it's twenty years, if it's twenty years old, it's going to be a bit sweaty, isn't it? A bit smelly. Well, it might be. I, I've knowing knowing uh, Luca, he would have uh, washed it, and uh, he, he used to dry all of his clothes. If you read his biography, or or, or something like, that. I think it might have even been uh, Paolo Di Canio's biography. But he, he used to hang them. He, he used to always wander around his house nude after he'd done his washing and he'd have all of his clothes hung up in his kitchen because he felt that steam drying them was the way ahead but anyway uh, i could give you the url i could give you the url for this but it it, it's a bit of a nightmare so what i'll say is watch out for chelsea fancast and chelsea supporters trust twitter accounts 
and Facebook accounts tweeting and Facebooking this out. But just look for Safe Standing and the Janelle Ucaviali shirt and you'll know what to do. Right, we have very special announcement news, almost worth a, a fanfare of trumpets, let alone a drum roll. Uh, but this is quite exciting. Uh, basically, uh, a lovely lad called um, Alex uh, Ambrosiak, who, who, who's a long-term, long-time listener to the show, uh, direct messaged me back in April and, and saying, Chidge, you know, we know you have this boy the, buy the boys a beer thing, but um, there's this thing in the States uh, which is uh, called Patreon. And basically, it's a website which you can set up a page for and it allows people to kind of, you know, donate regularly to podcasts and other artistic uh, endeavours. And I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. And then I forgot all about it. And then anyway, this week I thought, oh, I know, I should go and do that because I had a bit of time on my hands. Um, so we have set up uh, a, a a donation page for the fancast uh, called patreon.com forward slash Chelsea fancast. And, and really the, bit, the idea behind this, I mean, one of the things that I've cherished most in the 10 years of doing this show, or nearly 10 years doing this show, is the is the sense of community that we've kind of discovered. And we've been massively privileged, as you all know, to hear from you and to meet many of the listeners from over the world, all over the world and the UK whenever you've pitched up to Stamford Bridge. Uh, and many of you have become very, very good friends as a result. Now, um, some of you, of course, haven't been able to get to London, but you often ask, you know, can we buy you a beer or something? So what Patreon, Patreon does is it kind of enables you... Well, it kind of provides a more concrete way for the people who listen to the show to offer their support. And if you donate, um, it's a bit like if you buy the fanzine for a quid every every month or whatever. You know, it enables us to cover the cost of running the show two well two shows a week now, and to continue to produce what we believe is a unique podcast on all things Chelsea. And I think further down the line, I mean, it's early days. I've only set it up today, but uh, I think the idea is a bit. It kind of works a bit like the whole crowdfunding thing, but it's a bit more regular, kind of you know monthly or, or per show donations. But the idea is like crowdfunding pages that you can kind of bring in uh, all sorts of rewards. So I, I need to give that a bit of thought, but uh, off the top of my head. You know, participating in some of the shows, uh, getting questions to Kerry for the Kerry Dixon show, doing meet and greets in the local pubs. I mean, we've had a fancast party in the past, so maybe we can do another one of those, do some additional content. I don't know. The world is our lobster, as uh, as um, Scarface never said. But it's a great idea. Um, and if you want to do- donate, feel free to, whatever you want, per show or per month. But there's no pressure, obviously, because we're not begging. Um, so there you go. Um, I think that's probably about all we've got time for on this particular part, apart from me to say that on uh, next Wednesday, I think. Yeah, Wednesday, two days after today, because this is Monday. Uh, we need to get, uh, if you've got any questions for the fans forum, uh, you know, on anything, but, you know, ticketing, ticket pricing, stewarding, touts, you name it, uh, we need we need to hear from you. In fact, I don't need to hear from you. You really need to get hold of... The wonderful Clayton Beerman, who is the Chelsea fancast rep on the old fans forum. And the best way to get hold of Clayton is to tweet him at goalie59, and then he will make the case on your behalf. So there you go. Right, enough of all my uh, waffling. We've got emails coming up next, and I have to say, there are some absolutely superb ones coming up, uh, both on the transfer window and uh, people's stories from following Chelsea over land and sea. We'll see you in a sec. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com 
Okay, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast on the Home Straight, part four. Part four belongs to you, the listener, or listeners even, um, because it's where we hear from you, and you have some very interesting and valid points, and we love reading them out. Uh, in fact, actually, it's Jonathan's favourite part of the show, because he gets to hold centre stage and is not upstaged by me, Marco, or Liam at all. Not one jot at all. <laughs> so take it away, JK. Uh, first email, Yaron uh, Levy. I presume it's Levy, or it could be Levi. Um, hi, Chich, and hi to everyone else. Before I get to my point, I just want to say that I really enjoy listening to your podcast. I started to follow you a few years ago since the video made about your show was on the Sport Channel here in Israel. Keep you doing and I, awesome you and I were on that. Doing. That, that we was you were, and me. We were. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we think of the publicity that we, we achieved through that. Yeah. Oh, bloody we hell. did. Bit of improvisation. I think you spoke a lot and I just nodded, in fact. I think as well. Oh, please, anyway. Sashon. Um, no, no, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll keep going. In my opinion, the last two summer windows have been quite similar ones. We made some signings quite early, Michi and Kante, and after we realised that we wouldn't be able to get our main targets, we signed alternatives at the last few hours of the deadline day. Same thing happened now with Ox and Sandro. This summer, we only replaced the players that we sold, and one player probably won't wear the royal blue shirt ever again. Even though we have four midfielders in our squad now, we have Luis as backup, so that position doesn't worry me so much. I'm more concerned about left wing back backup and a striker. Those are our two vulnerable positions at the moment. We don't have good replacement for Marcus Alonso. Baba Raman didn't impress me and he's just come back from a nasty injury. Aspilicueta won't be very effective there and we don't really know yet what the new Italian boy can do there. Some say we have Kennedy but I don't think he's good enough for us and it's not even his best position. We can't forget that because of the Costa situation we now have only two strikers. Maratta started well but still needs time to get used to playing with us and get used to the league. Our second striker doesn't have good enough hold-up play as we saw at the Community Shield and in the Burnley game. What will we do if he's injured or suspended? On the other hand, I'm quite happy we didn't sign Laurent Clarente because he's 32 and he would probably take Tammy Abraham's place next season. Let's hope we'll have a good September, especially against Arsenal, as I'll be at the game and I'd love to meet you in the pub for a pint. That's Hooray. it, I think. Keep keep the blue flag flying high, Yarin. Uh, the magic words. A good point magic about words, um, you for a pint. About uh, B- Baba Raman, who, uh, of course, I, I I was under the impression had uh, had left us, but I think he was just on loan, wasn't what, he? Lit- you mean literally left us? I thought he was still alive, mate. Uh, no, you know what I mean, Chidju Joker. You. <laughs> um, He's got a very bad uh, injury, yeah. though, that's for sure. Yeah. He did, he did, he had a very bad... And I'll, I don't, also, even fit, I didn't think he was an alternative. I think uh, he had a dose of the Salas, he just couldn't deal with the pressure. Um, he was absolutely it, shit. It, it, he was indeed completely appalling, <laughs> yeah, the poor man. And he, he kept shaking his head every time the ball slipped under his foot and uh, and uh, looking very sorry for himself. And I thought, oh, you haven't got much, much of a, a career here, mate, never mind. Um, but uh, perversely, uh, Mourinho kept playing him, which I think said a lot about Mourinho's attitude that season uh, before he was uh, elbowed. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, very good, good points. I think we've discussed a lot of them, haven't we? Um, we have. I was going to say, actually, if we'd have read that out first, we'd have saved ourselves a lot of time. 
Yaron nailed it. He's, he's in. He's in Mixler. He, I know. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. Um, just stop them. Yeah, maybe we should. Anyway, Yaron Yaron is in is, is in Mixler at the moment, so you can say hello to him personally, Jonathan. Hello, Yaron. Uh, terrific email. Well done. We should have, yeah. From now on, it'll just be me in the emails. Chidge can introduce me, okay? And then we'll... Yeah, talk. I'll just basically, for next week, I'll just do an introduction because I do like the little bit I write at the beginning and then I'll, I'll say, and it's over yes. to you, Jonathan, and I shall piss off down the yeah, pub. with emails. Hours. That's right. And then I'll go and you can chat about them. Great. Well, you'll have to phone, you'll have to phone me because I'll be in the pub. <laughs> Very good. But anyway, um, enough of two. that. Chris, Chris Strugnall, number two. Chris Strugnall. Hi, Chidge and the gang. Greetings again from South Africa. Blimey. Wonderful. I love this. I will try and make it shorter this time. Yes, please do, because the last one went on a bit. No, it didn't. It was great. Two things. First, am I the only one that is happy that the transfer window is closed and we can focus on the football again? Uh, no, I think I'm happy about that. Second, after seeing a picture of our new signing, Zappa Costa, and there is a picture of him, I believe he looks like Serge Tankian, the lead singer of System of a Down. Well, you've got me there. You've got me there, Chris. System of a Down. I've, I've it's a no pop idea. band, Jonathan. It's a pop oh, really, band. Really, isn't it? Is you it, might not have heard is of it, them. What, what are they? What are they, Chidge? I don't I know. know. Can I ask my, I think we my should, butler? Well, well I was going to say, why don't we ask Marco first if he's happy that the transfer window is closed and he can focus on proper idea, football folks. again? Yeah, I am. <laughs> um, yes. Well, I, I, I just well, the the whole thing was a bit bizarre because it kind of um, it dovetailed sort of with the end with the international break um, coming in. Um, I'll be glad when that's over as well. Oh, so, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. It goes on far too Trans- long, and it's a load of old arse gravy, and it, and it allows well, far I too mean, much leeway for the media to make things up, and it doesn't. Does I really hate it? Well, I mean, it's just ridiculous. You know, they, they trump it up like they're counting down the, the you know, the the Big Ben chimes for New Year's Day, the way they're carrying on. Um, mm. I don't know. He's a bit of a trouser enthusiast, isn't he, Jim? He's a what? A trouser enthusiast. A trouser enthusiast? Is that a euphemism? (laughs) 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 I think it probably is. Trousers falling down. Trousers falling down and being put on. Which one is it? He was really shitty the day... Yeah, he was quite shitty the day afterwards on Talk Sport. He couldn't. He must have said Chelsea have been snubbed about seventy-five times in the space of ten minutes, and it was. Re- I had to turn it off because I was going to punch the radio. Um, Liam, uh, I, I, I mean, actually, interesting perspective that you might have because, of course, you know, it gives you lots to write about, doesn't it? The old transfer window. But are you happy that it's over? Yeah, I am, and I'm kind of in a in a funny position as a <laughs> as a news you. reporter where. It's the it's the part of my job that obviously gets the most interest online. You know, nothing nothing quite uh, captures the imagination like a transfer story or transfer feature. But it's to me, it's the least interesting part of football. Um, mm. like, there's nothing I there's nothing I like more than actually watching a game and seeing how it's played out and and who how how a result has come to pass rather than constantly using results as the springboard for this club needs to sign this player or they should assign this player 
I think it can be a bit um, boring and reductive at times. But there, there's no doubt there have been there have been real elements of um, that have been interesting in the in the, in the way this window's panned out for Chelsea. But that's more in terms of strategy and trends rather than the minutiae of individual deals and and people briefing briefing one one thing or the other and you know it's a it's a key part of my job and I do it but it's not it's not my favorite part of the job fair enough Liam and uh, the, the most important part of your job tonight on the Chelsea fancast is as the only one of us who is under 30 I would I'm guessing here but I reckon I'm right um you're the only one in a position to know whether uh, Zappa Costa does indeed look uh, like uh, Serge <laughs> Tankian from the well-known beat combo called System of a Down. Well, can I say something quickly? I've uh, I've yes. looked them up, and he does indeed look does like he? Serge Tankian. And perversely, I look like one of the other people in the band. <laughs> do you? They have old people in the band, do they? Very, very old people in the band. Yeah, very. very. Anyway, can no, we can we can we leave the final casting vote to our younger member of the panel tonight? <laughs> of course, of course. They're known as Soad, by the way. Are they? Okay. No, I, I, no I, one has no one has time for words anymore. It's all acronyms. Um, exactly. Yeah, I d- he there's a there's a passing resemblance, and I and I say that as someone who's very much not a System of a Down fan. So I had okay. to, I had to Google it as well, J.K. Oh, that's bad. That's bad. But they are a heavy metal band from Glendale, California. But they're Armenian American, and they 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 look good. Actually, it's a good. They're good pictures. They're very good. I'll go check them out on Spotify later. I'm going to say something rather controversial, but uh, I know when I say it that Mark Worrell will laugh so much he'll fall off his chair. Uh, I've just prepared him for it, so he might not now. Uh, Marco, I reckon that uh, uh, Zappa Costa. Looks like the bastard love child of uh, Dan Silver and Jason Chuckles, the cabbie. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd like that. Anyway, moving swiftly on before they, they, they hear it and then they'll come after Well, yeah, Jace probably is. He's usually in there in his cab, isn't yeah. he? Because he, he gets really upset when Alex is on the show because she swears so much. Uh, and Tony. In fact, when they're both together, it's almost X-rated. Uh, and of course, and he listens to it in the cab really loudly. And 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 he's got fares in the back. You're going, what on earth is this? So it's quite dangerous for him. But anyway, Jace, if you are listening tonight, uh, I, you know, I'm sorry I missed you at Everton at the stall, but uh, I'll see you see you for the next game. And I'm looking forward to that. Uh, right, Jonathan, we've got a couple. I think well, I've got three more emails. Uh, they're quite long, so I'll shut up and just let you get on with them. Um, but they're all absolutely is, cracking. Um, so, three great stories. This is from David Flotz. Uh, Hello, Chidge and the gang. My name's David, and I'm writing from the great country state of Texas. I started listening to the podcast about a year ago when I wanted a more complete view of the games and ongoings of the club. I enjoy the diversity of opinions you get on the show, and I often drink a glass or three of whiskey, which makes it feel like I'm listening to it with friends at a bar. Makes it tolerable, probably. <laughs> yes, very pissed. Yeah. Thank you all for the hard work. It's apparent with every episode. Well, I don't know. You'd have to ask Ginger about that. Enough of the fluffy stuff. I want to talk Conte, Morata, and Chelsea as a whole. Sorry for the ice is not my strength when I'm passionate about something I love. 
My family didn't watch much soccer growing up, but the spine of Czech, Terry, Lamps and Drogba was something that I gravitated towards as I started watching the EPL in 2008-2009 season. Chelsea became my team and the agony of the Champions League only made me love the club more. After Torres sank Barcelona, I felt anything could happen in Munich and the impossible became a joyous, tearful reality. Yes, since 2012 and the departure of Czech, Lamps and Drogba, I felt a hole in the Chelsea I knew before. Enter Antonio Augustus Britannicus Conte. I call him Britannicus as that's the name that Caesar took after he conquered Britain. Watching the Euros, I knew he was the manager for us. If we could have half of the team spirit that that Italian team showed, we'd be in a very good place. Never mind Costa's assessment of a distant Conte. Distant managers don't hug every single player on the pitch after the game is over. I'm extremely proud to say he manages our club and I can only aspire to influence players as much as he has in my own coaching career. Next is Morata, who I'm assuming is the Conte striker of choice over Lukaku. Thank God. I do not understand why people are expecting so much from Morata right now. The young man hasn't had any consistent playing time most of his career. He played second fiddle to Chorente at Juve and Benzema at Real. At Real, when is the last time Morata played 15 games in a row as a starter? This may play to our advantage, though. Conte can mould him into the striker we need without having to change too much of his prior playing habits. There should be no doubt in our minds he's a finisher, and once the rest of his skills catch up to pace, he'll be a force to be reckoned with. More so than Costa, as Morata can control his temper. As for the whole of Chelsea... We're in a great place. Yes, we probably need, a, need another wing-back and centre-mid for depth. We decided it would be better to sell Chaloba for reasons I'm still not convinced of, though I do understand from the player's perspective. Marchisio and Chorente would have been great additions with their experience with Conte, and we could have signed them to short-term contracts. Um, sorry for the length again, but I'm very optimistic with the direction our club is headed. We've won eight of the last nine Premier League games, and I expect us to be in the top three in December. Also, which I've actually bleeped because he says, fuck Spurs. Um, I hope to be in England next year to catch my first Chelsea game. Hope I'll see some of you there. P.S. I realise I neglected to mention my family and its safety while my great state of Texas suffers through this horrible hurricane in South Texas. We are all safe, but we know many who still are not. What I love the most about Texas is the love and respect most people have for each other here. This is becoming more and more apparent to me as many people take off work and head down to help others in need. My company has started to collect goods for the people and after just one day we've had 25 to 30 families from the community drop off supplies to Centre Houston this weekend. As we brace for the return of Harvey's second wave, I urge everyone to donate what they can to help out their fellow humans who have lost everything they have. Thank you all, and up the Chelsea, David. What a cracking, good cracking idea. email. Mm. He cracking. made some good points about... Yeah, he made some good points about Morata as well, I thought. Um, very, very quickly, uh, just to, as an addendum to that email, David, because you're you're right. I mean, we, we've got lots of mates uh, and, and people who listen to the show from the, the wonderful state of uh, the Lone Star State, the good old Texas. Um, and, yeah, it's horrifying what's going on there, uh, you know, with the with the Harvey. Was it a hurricane? It was a tropical storm, wasn't it, Harvey? 
Um, and I hope uh, you're all safe and that you're not flooded out, but I suspect some of them are. Now, we've got some good mates called the uh, Bayou City Blues who can be found at Bayou City Blues on Twitter. And they're the official Houston chapter of the Chelsea FC supporters group uh, and they've been actively supporting victims of the storm and if you can help or donate then get in touch with them via Twitter or uh, or go to their website which is bcbhouston.com um, but yeah if, you, if you're local and even if you're not local I mean as I said we've all got lots of mates out there so uh, help if you can all right Jonathan next Dave Bishop dear Chidge and the boys and of course the lovely Alex the lovely Alex, she's not here, Dave. I don't know if you've been she's listening. Not here. I have emailed you once before, and you very kindly read my email out on the show, which made my week. Oh, you might remember I'm the bloke who lives in Chelsea near Melbourne, more recently known as Dave Aspie Bishop. I think you guys helped with a ticket for my daughter, Ella. My wife, Jane, oh, we did. We did, absolutely... Yeah hates football and I are looking to move out into the country a bit more and I have my eye on a place called Winchelsea. <laughs> the missus hasn't twigged yet. I've been meaning to write this email for months and now the season has started and your show's got even better. I'm inspired to finally put finger to screen. I absolutely love hearing the emails read by JK. Oh, thank you. With stories from Chelsea fans all over the world. I came to the realisation that I was one of them. I do have a slight advantage over some, however, having seen scores of Chelsea home and away matches in the 70s before I left for the Antipodes. I really like the way you guys appreciate that we international fans are every bit as passionate as those who are lucky enough to go every week. We do, we do. Speaking of worldwide fans, I want to give a huge hug to the Melbourne Chelsea Supporters Club, brilliantly run by Russell Saunders and Daniel Thorne. The club is growing each year and has a core group of expats, plus a variety of other supporters from all four corners. The MCSC is an official supporters club and can help us get tickets when we go back to the UK. We have members from Melbourne at virtually every Chelsea match, which I reckon is a bloody good effort. We had 11 at the Everton game. Oh, brilliant. I think the Adelaide boys are there every game too. I want to thank Russ for organising it all. I'm not sure if they all listen to the podcast, but I will make sure they will listen to this one. And I hope they get hooked. Obviously, with your wit, oh, he says that. Obviously, with your wit and knowledge and the recent additions to the show, they will be completely hooked after one episode. It's true. It's true. I'm back in the UK in October. We'll get to see the Watford game thanks to the MCSC. It's been changed to a Monday night, which doesn't bother me a bit, as I've not seen a night game at Stamford Bridge for a little while. In fact, it was Ron Harris's testimonial. Bloody hell, that is a while. I worked on the turnstile, managed to see the second half. I think Charlie Cook scored a couple. One of our members down in Melbourne is a guy called Andrew Bailey, brother of the gaffer. Ooh, I've known Andy for some years now after meeting him at a coaching course. G'day to all the Melbourne blows. I'm hooking up with another Melbourne Chelsea supporter before the Watford game. Would also really love to find some of you guys for a beer, if at all possible. I always intended to sit on the benches when you did the show in Chelsea TV. Cheers and keep the blue flag flying high. Dave Aspie Bishop. Terrific. Great work they what do lovely, there. Yeah, Wonderful. yeah, yeah. I mean, as he probably knows, because I mean, Dave's been in touch before, and we did. I'm sure we did. We did help his daughter get a ticket. Actually, I think Dan sorted that out. But uh, um, I know, I know Andy Bailey, Andrew Bailey, the gaffer's brother, and of course we know and love the gaffer well. And he used to be on the show uh, on the benches all the time, didn't he, J.K.? Um, but yeah, they're great yeah. guys, and, and I'm I'm very very sad that when I when I was in Melbourne, oh God, five years ago. 
that uh, I never never got to meet any of them. It, all, it, it was a complete uh, organisational disaster and we all went to the wrong pub or something and it's a shame I never met them all, but hopefully if I get back I will. Um, but of course, if you're coming over, let us know and we'll try and meet up for a pint in the pub before the game. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Wonderful. Absolutely. I'll try and get along. I always say this, but I'll try and get along. So uh, Always well. Have my... Uh, absolutely. Thank you. Should we get the next one? Number five, Daniel yeah, Gower. Yeah, yeah. Boys and ladies, I've been listening to your podcast for years. After listening to your episode, The Italian Job, I figured I'd share my story. Ginormous Chelsea fan. I grew up in the States watching Premier League on pay-per-view. Only if I did my chores and I'd performed well during club soccer that week. A reward from my dad. I idolised the lamps. Fast forward, after a tough, tough deployment to Iraq that changed my life, I sat in the hospital holding my first child in my Chelsea jersey. One of the best moments of my life. Fast forward, Afghanistan 2012. Same Chelsea jersey I wore when my son was born, going absolute shithouse when Drogba converted. In a dusty shit old plywood room, I screamed. My mates thought the base was under attack. Being the senior member, I informed them that all formed them all that Chelsea had won the Champions League and there was no attack. Third best moment. Third best moment I got to enjoy was watching the 2010 World Cup in Qatar with American and British troops. Lovely, Daniel Gower. Yeah. That was his mail. Mm. I don't think he did. I don't think he signed. I'm just wondering if I cut any off of that off. I don't think I did. But what a lovely email. Great to hear from uh, uh, a fine man who has served his country proud by the looks of it. I mean, blimey, that's a bit of a, a rap, isn't it? Afghan, Iraq. <laughs> You know, managed to me. find. Well, well done, they managed mate. to have a dish. Managed to find a channel. Fantastic. Fantastic yeah. Well, they. I think they, they. It's quite well sorted, isn't it, for the services out out in the camps? They, they they do, you know, they do look after them a lot better than they used to, don't they, Marco? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they certainly do. But it's good to hear from um, him. I'm just thinking amongst uh, Americans, they all want to probably to watch the NFL, and uh, and he manages to get to a chat. He managed to get to watch it. So perhaps he had his own little personal, uh, perhaps it was on his computer or something. Um, well, no, good for him. Brilliant. So. Brilliant stuff. Okay, Brilliant right. Stuff. Um, as always, um, great emails, weren't they, this week, JK? I'm, 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 oh, yeah, 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 Never cease to amaze me. All around the world. It's, this, it's the international aspect of it. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. It is, it is lovely. So thank you. Thank you very much, people. We do appreciate them. Uh, as I said, we love receiving them and we'll always try and read them out on the show. So send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com before Monday because that's when I do the script. So uh, if you want it in, get it over the, uh, to me over the, during the week or over the weekend. Uh, right. Sadly, that is uh, all we've got time for this week. Uh, do not forget to download not only this show, if you haven't heard it live, uh, but the Kerry Dixon show on Wednesday night, probably uh, with Ke- when uh, basically me and the me and the legend will be previewing the match against Leicester this Saturday. No doubt we'll talk about the transfer window as well, and maybe a bit of a, a bit of Everton. We'll see. Maybe a bit, you know we'll cover some of the same ground, but uh, obviously it'll be Kerry speaking, not me, which has a huge advantage. Uh, now we'll be back on uh, Monday, the 11th of September at seven o'clock uh, in the UK time. That also happens to be my wedding anniversary, so. You are privileged that I have uh, got away from the clutches of my good lady wife on that night. Uh, but she won't be joining us on the podcast. Uh, I tell you who will be. It'll be JK, of course, as always. Uh, Dan, Yes, indeed. Dan Silver. 
uh, if he doesn't blow us out like he did last time. And uh, Oliver Harbord from Football.London, who is technically a my boss uh, and uh, writes all about <laughs> Chelsea. Uh, but I did find out, which we are going to... I'm sure he's told me this before, actually, but Oliver was on uh, very, very in, the, in, the, in the graveyard slot on Talk Sport very early this morning, kind of like, you know, one o'clock-ish. And uh, it was revealed, Marco, that he is in fact uh, he's a, he's a, he's a he's a Grimsby fan. Really, really, yeah. What are they? What's their nickname? Is it the Haddocks or something? They got a the, funny name. The Who are the, are the no, that's South End. I know their their main firm's got the funniest name of any firm. Um, ever the Cleethorpes Beach Patrol. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> I can't. They used to be sponsored by uh, Findus, didn't they? I remember those love. I mean, I wasn't there sadly. I bet Marco was there when we went Mariners. up and got the title. The Mariners. Yeah. They're the Mariners. Are they the Mariners. Yeah. But up and yeah, the fam- lovely pictures I've seen of that that game where where there were so many Chelsea there, they had to be walked round the ground. At Grimsby, and uh, I remember vividly the Findus advertising boards there. Uh, but were you there at that one, Marco? It's your kind of vintage. What the '83 game? Yeah. Uh, the what the, the the game when we went up? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Thirteen thousand. There you go. Thought you would have been okay. Right. So That's we are right, back. Eleventh of September. You packed in like sardines or fish fingers, even Finders fish yeah. fingers, appropriately. Uh, right, as I said, we'll be back 11th of September, seven o'clock. Uh, JK Dan Silver, Oliver Harbour, Football London. Uh, do not forget to follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast. Me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Marco at Gate Seventeen, Marco and Liam at Liam underscore to me. And of course, check out the website ChelseaFancast.com. Great things are going to be happening there, uh, and. Uh, do check it out. Anyway, many thanks to the Chelsea Fancast bloggers, uh, those of you who write for us. Keep them coming. And it's time for me to say farewell, adieu. Uh, Marco, as always, an absolute stunning pleasure to have you on the show, mate. Indeed. Always a pleasure to guest on here and look forward to seeing you at the stall soon. Uh, yeah, what's the next What's the next home game then? Is it, Car- it Carabag? Yeah, I'll be yeah. there. I've got to scoot scoot up from from down here uh, as it's a Tuesday, and I'm working down here. But I will I will pop in via the stall, even if I don't get a chance to have a beer. So I'll see you there, mate. Um, Liam, uh, great having you on the show. I mean, what what a what a stroke of luck that we had you on uh, just after the transfer window closes, and get all of your insight on there. And uh, do check out Liam's blogs on ESPN. Isn't that right, uh, Liam? Yes, indeed. Yes, news news features and, and, and video in which I try to look like I know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> yeah, th- thanks a lot for having me, and hopefully I'll catch you around the bridge soon. Uh, well done, Liam. I Brilliant. hope so too. Brilliant, as always. Yeah, well, Brilliant. <coughs> we'll have a, we'll have a beer, beer, mate. And, and I'm glad you mentioned the video, actually, because you're doing that with the lovely Alison Bender, aren't you? Yes, indeed, yes. Yeah, she's very good to work with. She's really lovely. I think she, 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 I'm being very careful what I say here, but she's very lovely to work with. I think I've worked with her in the past, actually, but she's very nice. And I have caught one or two of those. You down the uh, down at Cobham with Alison doing a, a few video reportages things. So carry on with that. And uh, do read Liam's stuff. He, he's a very good writer, and he writes very considered stuff on the old ESPN website. So there you go. Now, last but by no means least, uh, my right-hand man, my aide-de-comp, 
for the Chelsea fan cast, the wonderful actor that is Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> I, I like playing Batman parts, actually. I like playing your assistant. That's good. I've you could be. Ridiculous voice. I could do that, you couldn't could, I? Could I carry your bag, sir? Well, no, carabags on, carabags on the 12th, mate. After oh, the next show. clever, clever. Clever, anyway, much. on that on that on that point of high art and comedy, I think it's time for us to bugger off. Uh, so uh, brilliant, guys! Thank, thank you, you very for enjoyable. joining me. Very enjoyable, really enjoyable. Always, thank always you. a pleasure. Uh, massive, massive shout out to the lovely people uh, who have all been in uh, in Mixler's chat room tonight. I'm sorry I haven't conversed with you as I would like to. Um, I will make amends next Monday. Right, that's it. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chels. Up the It's the ninetieth minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.